Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for today's leadership podcast. Hey, in just a minute, I'm going to talk to you about leadership decision-making. Leadership decision-making. How is a leader you go about making decisions. But before we do, I want to put a couple of dates on your calendar. One is October 4th in Canton, Ohio. I will be with a dear friend of mine, Mike Caminetti. He pastors a fantastic church up there. He's a man that I love and admire so much. And I will be doing a roundtable. Uh, this roundtable will cover uh, the the practicals of pastoring, uh, ten skills that every pastor needs to manage. We will talk about critical mass. What do you do when ministry begins to explode in on you? The question that I've always been asked doesn't matter whether the church is ten or ten thousand the one question that I've always been asked. And so that's October 4th. I want to encourage you, if you can, uh, to go to my webpage, GeraldBrooksMinistries.com, and sign up. Also on October 20th and 21st, we will be hosting the North Texas Leadership Conference. You need to be in the room. One of the things that I tell people, you can add by listening, but you multiply when you're in the room. The greatest growth I ever experienced was when I was in the room. This is a room you want to be in for two reasons, the commitment of the speakers to grow and the commitment of the crowd to grow. You get those two things and you create an explosive growth environment and you can go uh, to my webpage, and you can sign up there. And then for those of you in the North Dallas area, if you have a passion to uh, just become a leader, we are starting our School of Leadership. In fact, um, I believe it's August 30th. We will be kicking it off. I want to encourage you. You need to be at this. This is one of those things. If you're in the room, we're going to create leaders. Now, there's two tracks to it. Whichever track you choose is great for us. We're just going to create leaders. And so uh, you can go to uh, gbsl.com and get more information. Hey, today I want to talk to you about leadership decision making. But before I jump into some of the, the deeper end of the pool, I want to talk to you about key principles uh, just involved in decision making. Uh, first of all, decisions define you. That's just clear. We know that personally, and for sure that's true organizationally, and it's true of every leader. Decisions define you. See, people remember you for the decisions you make or the decisions you don't make. That's what you're remembered for. So your ability to make decisions, the kind of decisions, the nature of the decisions, they define you. But number two, decisions must be filtered through mission. See, I have a very particular mission, and that is to make heaven bigger and the kingdom of God better. That is my personal mission. Now, every decision I make is filtered through that. Is it going to help me reach lost people? Is it going to help me raise up leaders in the kingdom? 
because those are the two things that my mission on this planet is to do. I want to make heaven bigger. I want to reach lost people. I want to make the kingdom of God better. I want to develop leaders who can represent Christ in critical times and in critical places. So you need to understand that no matter what the decision is, it always comes back to your particular mission. You have to filter through that. And so when I'm offered opportunities, well, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? I always come back. Is it going to do one of those two things? Uh, Is it going to make heaven bigger or is it going to make uh, the kingdom of God better? Am I going to reach lost people by doing it? Am I going to be able to raise up leaders by doing it? And if it doesn't do one of those two things, I'm not doing it. But if it does both of those things, I'm going to jump on and do it. And so people ask me nowadays, you know, I say, I usually go to churches where I get to speak on weekends and that allows me to make heaven bigger. And then I get to stay over and do some kind of development of leadership, and that makes the kingdom of God better. And those are the things that that affect my decision-making. And so decisions must be filtered through missions. Number three, decisions must be made at the lowest level possible. When you're a leader and you have other people around you, one of the things people will tend to do is they want to push decisions upward. But if you're going to be an effective decision maker, you want to push decisions downward. And what that means is, is don't let people have you make a decision that they can make. So in my organization, I don't make a lot of decisions that will involve certain areas. Why? I have people that are capable. And many times they'll come to me wanting me to make that decision. But if you're going to create an effective decision-making organization, then you have to push the decision to the lowest level possible. I'm not going to make decisions on just the exterior and, and, and the function of buildings. I have whole teams that are way smarter than that. I'm the guy that when I held the flashlight for my dad, he said, can you hold the flashlight? And I did. And then he said, okay, now can you turn it on? And I said, Dad, you didn't ask me to turn it on. You just asked me to hold it. And see, in his mind, why would anyone hold a flashlight that wasn't on? Well, you don't want me making building decisions. You want people who know how to hold the flashlight and know that they should turn it on while they're holding it. So decisions must be made at the lowest level possible. Next, decisions which are long-term must never be made at a low point in life. You never make a long-term decision during a dark moment in life. So someone's just lost a loved one and they say, I'm not going to do this anymore. Well, they may not do some things anymore, but you don't make that decision in the middle of grief. You never make long-term decisions in dark moments. You just say, there's going to be a time for that. There's going to be a place for that. But I'm just not going to make that decision now because long-term decisions in dark places end up being wrong decisions. And so uh, literally, when I've walked people through the grief process, I said for six months, uh, you don't need to make a major decision. Well, should I sell my house? Should I not sell my house? Should I? 
sell the extra car? Should I not sell the extra car? I said, none of those decisions matter. You do not have to make them on week one. They will be here in a month, in two months. You do not need to make those decisions now. You never make a long-term decision during a dark moment. Uh, Next principle, decisions have a timeline. Every decision has a lifespan if you want to put it. And and it's going to have this lifespan. And you need to understand that it's not just the decision that you're looking at, but the lifespan of that decision. See, putting off a decision that has a short lifespan is making a decision. So when I put off a decision, I'm making a decision. I'm saying no. And so decisions have timelines. When you're navigating your organization, you, you've got to understand some some decisions have to be made quicker than other decisions. You don't need to change the timeline, but you need to understand the timeline, and you need to understand that maybe if the timeline's quicker than you want, then you're just not going to make the decision, which in essence is a decision. So decisions have a timeline. Uh Next principle, decisions require two gears. So there's two gears to decision-making. There's the yes and there's the no. And what that means is, what are you going to say yes to and what are you going to say no to? Now, again, I would take you back to what we said previously. I filter every decision through mission. What am I called to do? What is my organization called to do? And I'm going to make those decisions based on mission, not based on opinion, not based on uh, criticism. I'm going to make it based on mission. But decisions require two gears, the yes and the no. But here's what you need to realize. Your no is as important as your yes. Your no is as important as your yes. So I believe that saying no is many times the most important thing you can do. I think I've mentioned this in other podcasts to you, but Warren Buffett every year auctions off for charity a lunch with him. Two people get to have lunch with him. So people will pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to get to have this moment with Warren Buffett, the oracle of Omaha, as they like to call him, the head of the Berkshire Investment Company. And it was interesting to me that a few years ago, two of the individuals were interviewed after, and they said, what is your takeaway about having lunch with Warren Buffett? And they responded, we learned that we should say no more often. I've talked about it. What gets people in trouble is not their strong yes or their strong no. It's their weak yes. Saying yes to something you felt like you should have said no to. So decisions require two gears. Your no is as important as your yes. Next, decisions never give you all the information you would like. I watch people hit paralysis when it comes to decision-making because they want all the information. One of the things that I tell them is if you have all the information, you don't have a decision, you have history. Because if you know all the facts, it's in the past. 
But what we know is, is that the average leader only has 60% of the information needed that they would like when they face a decision. But that's all right. Most decisions aren't eternal. And so you make a decision based on values, who you are, mission, what you do, and team, the capacity that you have. And boy, I could dive into that on levels that would just intrigue some of you. But, but, but here's the thing. You're never going to have it. So when you're sitting around, well, I wished I knew this. I wish, just make the decision. Most decisions, if you make them, you can remake them. Very few decisions have terminal velocity to them. Get it right or else. In the Bible, it says, prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. I've built a whole ministry based on, hey, we're going to do this. Well, what if it doesn't work? We're going to stop doing that. Well, can we try this? Yeah, we can try that. Well, what if that doesn't produce fruit? Then we're going to stop doing that. Decisions don't have to be eternal, so don't act like they are. There's one eternal decision, and I hope that you've made that properly. Next principle, decisions are emotional. The bigger the decision, the more emotion. Now, here's the reason decisions are emotional. is because you care. You care about the outcome. You care about the people. You care about the fruit. If decisions aren't emotional, then you just don't care. But that's all right. Caring's a good thing. We know that Jesus wept at Jerusalem. Why? Because he cared. Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. Why? Because he cared. Jesus, at his own hometown, walked away and he said, a prophet's of no honor in his own hometown. Why? Because he cared and, and he knew that more could be done. So those are just some of the, the principles of decision-making. Hopefully, they're the kind of thing that you can sit down, write them out, maybe think about them a little bit, and make application. I want to give you eight decisions you need to master. Eight decisions you need to master. Number one is you need to master the daily decision. Just the daily decisions the decisions that you make every day. So let me just give you my life. I inherently am a mess on the inside. I've talked to you honestly about how the emotions of what I do have in the past gotten the best of me. And because they've gotten the best of me, I know I'm vulnerable in that area. I know it's my Achilles heel, for those of you that love comics, it's my kryptonite. So I make daily decisions to prepare me for the confluent emotions that can come my way. But here's the thing, I make a decision every day, I'm going to pray. And for some people, prayer is just, hey, I'd like to pray today, but if I don't pray, I mess up. And at my level, if I don't pray, I not only mess up, I'll mess up others. So it's a daily decision. 
Every day I will pray. It doesn't matter where I'm at. It doesn't matter I'm on vacation, not vacation. I'm going to have an intensive time. This isn't, hey, God, I'm here. This is an intensive, interactive moment with God. Now, here's the thing about daily decisions. They seem small, but they are the most important decisions you make. And here's the reason. Daily decisions accumulate. They have an accumulating effect. It's like making that giant, giant snowball. You take this little bitty snowball and you round it up, but then you begin to roll it down the hill and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's what daily decisions do. They may seem like today, but when you make that decision today and you make those same decisions next week and you make those same decisions next month and you make those same decisions next year and you make them decade, and in my case, for 45 years, they have an accumulating effect. So daily decisions are the most important decisions that a leader will make. And they're important because what they do is they accumulate and have an accumulating effect in your life, which has an effect on other people's lives. The next kind of decision are life decisions. These are value-based decisions. This is who I am. This is what I believe. This is what I stand for. This is Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve God. It was a life decision. It wasn't going to be made every day because it was going to take him through life that way. And that life decision effect, in fact, you can go to the end of Joshua, and it says everyone that was alive when, when Joshua was alive served God. Why? Because his decision affected their decisions. And that's what happens with life decisions. They play out longer and bigger than you. And so they're value-based. You, you just determine this is who you are. This is what you do. Uh, this is what you believe. And you're not going to capitulate. You're not going to change. They're life decisions. Number three are organizational decisions. These are strategic. These involve what are you going to do and how are you going to do it? So an organization may have a core product that it wants to implement. And other organizations may have that same core product. But here's the thing. You can implement the same core in different ways. It's like climbing a mountain. I can climb it from one side. You can climb it from another side. And what organizational decisions are is they tell you what you're going to do, but then they tell you strategically how you're going to accomplish it. And so those are strategic decisions. Number four are team decisions. These are empowering decisions. Who's on the team? How long will they be on the team? And what do you expect of them in the team? See, I have the best team that I've ever had. And all my 40 years of pastoring, yes, we're about to celebrate our 40th anniversary 
as the founding pastor of Grace Church. But in my 40 years, I've never had a better team than what I have now. But one of the things is I've learned how to empower the team better than I knew how to in the past. The team's better because I'm better. So team, who are you going to have on your team? What are you going to ask them to do on the team? Are you going to let them really execute as a team? Are you going to get in the way of the team? So these are empowering decisions. Number five are economic decisions. Now, most people would put these as the number one decision. Economic decisions are never your number one decision. If you put finances as the top of your decision-making, you're never going to lead with high value, and you're never going to lead with high consequence. Economic decisions, uh, these are reality decisions, and, and they deal with the reality. We have this much in the pot, and therefore we can take the pot and we can divide it up these ways. It's just dealing with reality. You understand that you have an income flow, you have expense flow, and you have to match those up. They're economic decisions. And you match them up, again, based on missions, values, and strategy. And so you begin to look, and you do that. The number six decision are win-win decisions. These are when you make a decision and everyone's going to win. So let me go back to the last decision. This is when everyone on your team gets a raise. That's a win-win. You get to make the decision, everyone's going to get a raise. So you win. They win because they get a raise. It's an easy decision. A win-win decision. You get to give a raise, everyone gets a raise. But number seven is the win-lose decision. And the win-lose decision is when someone's going to win and someone's going to lose. See, there have been times when I knew that someone was no longer productive on my team. And I knew for the team to win, their lack of production had to leave. And so I would look at them and I would say, hey, I need you to know that our journey is changing right now. We're going to keep going and you're not going to be on board while we go. Someone says, do you like those decisions? I hate those decisions. But that's all right. They are the decisions that have to be made. So win-lose. During COVID, I had to make win-lose decisions. Was I going to open our church? Yes. That was a win for the kingdom of God. But it was a loss for other people because it forced them to figure out if they were committed to being a part of church. And see, win-lose decisions always have an emotional price tag. You feel them. But let me just say, the longer you go without making this decision, the more emotional the decision becomes. Never let emotion be the reason you don't make a decision. And then number eight are the lose-lose decisions. Where you know you have to make a decision. And you know that the decision that you have to make, people are going to criticize you for and people are going to leave over. And you know that it's going to cost you with people 
their self-esteem, and people are never going to respond to you again. See, as a pastor, there are times when I've had to make a decision based on facts that I knew to be true. But those facts that I knew to be true were confidential. I couldn't tell the whole organization. So everyone thought I was the bad guy. I'm going to lose. And then the person who was affected by the decision, they didn't tell everybody the whole outcome. They didn't tell them all the facts, and therefore it's going to look like they lose. So I'm going to be the bad guy. They're going to be the hurt guy. So it's going to be a lose-lose decision. These are the kind of decisions leaders have to make. I want to just tell you, all decisions have to be wrapped in prayer. I pray that that's what you're doing. All of you, if you haven't been to the roundtable this year, the one that I'm doing in Canton will be the last roundtable of this version, I want to encourage you to come. Fly in, drive in, get in. Also, you want to be in the room on October 20th and 21st. You're in a room with leaders who want to grow and people who want to grow. It will grow you. Someone says, well, I'll just get the lessons. Then you'll get the content. Getting the content doesn't mean that you get the results. It's like that beautiful um, fruit display on a table and you get up close to it and you realize it's plastic. Well, that's what a lot of people do. They want the plastic fruit versus the living fruit. Come and join us. It'll be a great time. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.